Bokar Tov, we are continuing Sefer Shemuel. We begin today, chapter 5. Last that occurred, we had the two Nevi'ot, one from the Messenger of God directly to Eli, which I don't know if it was considered, if it was like an actual Nevi'ah, but it was like a, like a, a message to Eli. And then we had Shemuel's actual Nevi'ah, which confirmed that message to Levi, that his house would be uh, cut, uh, and there would be a catastrophe that anything that anybody who heard it, his ears would ring. What was that catastrophe? They go out to battle and they lose. And then they say, oh, we lost. Let us take the Aron of God out to battle with us. They take it out and they lose even worse. The Aron gets taken by the Pelishtim. Chofni and Pinachas, sons of Eli, are killed in the battle because they're the ones who were guarding the Aron and probably took it out with them. They die in battle. Message comes back, back to Eli from a messenger from the war. Eli hears that the Aron was taken and he falls, he breaks his neck. No, yeah, exactly. And it, it expli- it's explicit, it leaves out the fact that he was upset about the death of his sons and focuses on the fact that he was upset about the loss of the Aron. And then the daughter-in-law of Eli, wife of Pinechas, uh, gave birth to a son that they called Ikavod, meaning there is no honor because the honor has left Israel. Because of the taking of the Aaron, and even there, it emphasizes twice the taking of the Aaron, and only once the death of her husband and her father-in-law. Has but no? she died in childbirth as well. Wait, she did right? Let's see. Yeah, yeah, she dies. She dies. Okay. Now, who has the Aaron now? The Pelishim. So now we're going to have an interesting. They're going to have an interesting experience with the Aaron. I'm going to read it for you and I'm going to ask what is the purpose of, of this experience that they're going through. Okay? The Pelishtim took the Aron of God. They took it from Evan Ezer where they were set up for battle to Ashdod. Okay, so if you ever went to the city of Ashdod, it was originally in a Pelishti city. Okay? They took the Aaron of God They brought it to the house of Dagon And they placed the Aaron Next to Dagon Okay now first of all what is Dagon? Yeah but from the word Dagon What kind of God do you think it was? Fish? Probably some kind of That's what Radak says Radak says it was kind of fish And it actually does make sense it does make sense for them to worship sea animals because they are a coastal people. Pilishim live on the coast. Uh-huh. They're maritime people. They came from the islands of Crete or something. And they now live on the coast in Ashdod, which is a beach town or beach city. So it makes sense that they would worship the fish because that's their food. Anyways, uh, they, they put the Aron next to Dagon. Now, why, why are they putting the Aron next to Dagon? It could be two reasons. Okay, so the one, one potential is that they're putting it next to Dagon to say this is also a deity, so it's a respect, or it could be something else. Or they're saying our god Dagon is now ruling over this god. And, or they're doing it to say that we've done, meaning it's now one of the subjects of Dagon. Something like that. So those are the options for what they're doing. But it says that they respect it earlier in the chapter. Like, oh no, the Arona Yeah, and then they won in battle. 
Yeah, but there's still respect for it. It's not like I don't know. Maybe maybe once they won in battle, they said, "Ah, this god's a weak god. We conquered him already." So they put it next to Dagon in a way. It could be either one of those. It could be the first reason where there is respect. get up the next day. Dagon and the statue of Dagon has fallen on the floor, on the ground. And it's, it's before the Aaron of God, meaning it's bowing towards the Aaron of God. They took Dagon and they put it back to its place. So they stood it up again. And they get up in the morning the next day. And again, Dagon is on the floor. And the head of Dagon and the two palms of its hand were cut and were on the threshold. Rak dagon The only thing left was the dagon part. Apparently, it had the upper body of a human and the lower body of a fish. So, like a mermaid kind of thing. So, by cutting the head and the arms, the only thing left was the fish appearance part. Okay. So, only dagon nisharalav could mean. Surat Dag according to Radak. Only the, the remnant piece, which looked like the Dag, like the fish, was the only thing left. So the human side was cut off. Uh, and therefore, by the way, the, the Pelishtim obviously could not rebuild it. I mean, they could have, in theory, rebuilt it, but they can't just put it back this time. Okay, so now, Dagon is clearly shown to be subjugated to the Aron. Okay? Side note, the text is now going to go into a side note for us, and it's going to explain to us a custom that the Pelishtim had, that when Bnei Israel, I think in the Navi Sifanya or something, that when Bnei Israel were sinful, they also performed this ritual. But there was a ritual where in the house of Dagon, people would not walk in front of Dagon, they would jump over the threshold that was in front of Dagon. And why? It was because they had developed reverence for the ground in front of Dagon where Dagon had fallen. So from then on, there became a custom that the Goim who served Dagon and Israel when they were doing Abu Dazara and serving Dagon, they would jump over the area in front of Dagon. And that's what this next verse says. From then on, nobody would walk on the threshold that was in front of Dagon in Ashdod until this day, until the writing of the book. So that's just a custom that came up. Again, it's probably brought because... Why does it matter? In Sifania, it says, Hashem says to Bnei Israel, I'm going to... to to punish those who hop over the threshold of Dagon. Meaning Bnei Israel were not only not walking on it, they were jumping over it. Meaning they were even more scared of the threshold of Dagon than the Goim were. So maybe it's telling this to us because the Navi knows that this is going to be a sin Bnei Israel end up engaging in. I'm not sure. But is this, is this like it could have been a very popular... Uh, type of superstition? Yeah. They, they, it, this is, the, the Pasuk is showing us the development of the superstition. They had, so they, they had this incident in which Dagon fell on the ground. And instead of the lesson, what could have they learned? What could they have learned? Okay, God, it's, obviously, it's obviously not a God. So let's, yeah. just, let's just not respect it. Let's take it out of the thing. Instead, what do they say? Oh, the God had fallen on the floor here. This floor is now sanctified. 
so they would jump over it. So they learned the opposite lesson. So, so far, the Pelishtim are supposed to learn the lesson from the Aaron, they have not. Instead, they've just learned to revere even is, more. Is superstition in general under the Zara? Because this is what is being inferred. Anything in which you're not serving God, but you're trying to manipulate God, or trying to time God, or like, trying to find God in a good mood, or do something that will bring the, the um, that will make God happy enough for you, other than mitzvot. That's all I would say. Baseball players when they walk on or off. Oh, oh, is that? I don't know. That's a that's a halakha question. Are those are those habits? Are those avodazara and and superstition? What? I don't know the answer. Touch the the baseline, so they'll jump Mm -hmm. over it. Like, what are you doing? Oh, it's superstition. Rafael Nadal never never walks on the lines. I mean, during gameplay he does, but when he's going to his seat, he doesn't. All these these. Players, they have superstitions on everything. They yeah, sports sports players have a lot of superstitions, and, and they develop like ticks, nervous ticks around them. Like, ever seen Rafael Nadal's water bottles? It's hilarious. Follow, look it up on YouTube or something. Rafael Nadal carefully setting up his water bottles. He has two bottles. One of them is yellow. It's some like like drink or whatever, and the other is water. And it's the same brand of water every time, and like they have to be. Perfectly set up next to his chair. So Alon is asking, is that is that would a Jewish person if he does that, would that be considered Abu I don't know the answer. These nervous tics and these it's, things. It's superstition. Superstition. My water is not exactly correct, I'm gonna lose. Mm-hmm. That, that's it's definitely not a Jewish way of thinking, but I don't know if it's a suit. Okay, Pasukvav. The hand of God became very strong against the Ashodim and he and he, how do you translate by Shimem? Devastated, Devastated them. them. And he gave them hemorrhoids. He struck them with hemorrhoids. Et Ashtod ve'et Kevuleha. Ashtod and their surrounding cities. People of Ashtod saw that this was a situation, that they were struck with hemorrhoids and that they're getting punished. And why would they get punished, by the way? Why would they get punished, by the if way? They let, they let them uh, j- because, keep because, the Aaron there. Because they kept the Aaron there, and, they, and, the, and, and Dagon falls on the floor, and they have not learned their lesson. It seems like if they learn their lesson and then show reverence for the, for the Aaron, and, I don't know, throw Dagon in the garbage, then they're not going to get hemorrhoids. But they didn't learn that lesson. Instead, they turned it into a feeling of reverence for the location of Dagon's fall. So next phase, you've got to push him harder. So now he gives them hemorrhoids. So they say, they say, they see that this is the situation. This is Pasuk 7. The Aaron of God shall not remain with us. For his hand has become strong upon us. And on Dagon our God. And they sent and they gathered all of the, the, the leaders of the Pelishtim. And they gathered them to them. So they had like a meeting of the leaders of the Pelishi tribes. He said, what shall we do? It's, it's like almost like a movie scene. You know, you can kind of picture like, he's, he's like, it's, it's a bit ironic, the story. I think there's an element of irony and mockery in the story. It's like these five people are like sitting together and are like, and are, are, are like struggling to see what they should do with this Aaron of Hashem, you know? 
So they gather all the leaders of the Pashima, what should we do? Gati Sof. Take it to Gat. And they took it to Gat. When they, when they took it to that city of Gat. And the hand of God was on that city. And it was a great, uh, great confusion. And he struck, God struck the people of the city from young to old. And he gave them hemorrhoids again. Now it seems like he's striking them also, they're starting to die also. Because we know that there's an element of death in this plague. Okay, so, who is they? The people of Gat or all the police along the way? I don't know. Probably Gat. Because the way you're describing it is like, oh, there are these five tribal leaders. And like, all right, let's put it somewhere. Which one do we hate? Like, all right, let's give it to those people. Let's right, right. Let them suffer. Why, but then why would that work? Meaning it should have, they should all get struck for it. That's why I'm asking. I don't know. It's a good, it's a good question. Look in the, in the Pirushim. I wonder if it says. They send the Aaron of God to the city of Ekron. And it was when the Aaron of God came to Ekron. He said, you brought the Aaron to my city in order to destroy me and my people. So now the people of Ekron are wiser than the people of Gat. And they try to stop it before it happens. So now they don't know where to put it. Because they've tried the cities. Nobody's willing to take one for the team. So all of the leaders of the... It's really an ironic story. It's, it's, it's supposed to be funny. It's supposed to be a funny story. They gather all the leaders of the Pilishim again. Let's send the Aaron back and it will go back to its place. And let her not kill me and my people. It sounds like each person is saying this. I don't want to die. For there was the confusion of death in the whole city. The hand of God was very strong there. Anybody who didn't die was struck with hemorrhoids. So everybody was, got something. And the cry of the city went up to the heavens. But let's continue because it gets even funnier. And the Aaron of God was in the, in, in the fields of the Pilishim for seven months. It seems, according to one Perush, that once they could not handle it in any city, they just left it out in a field. So it was in the fields of the Pilishim because nobody wanted to hold it. Okay? So it was there for seven months. So the Pilishim called the Kohanim, like the, the priests... And the, the Philistine priests, the Philistine priests, and the magicians. What shall we do to the Aaron of God? Because no, no, nobody wants to take it. Apparently, they said, "Let us send it back to Israel," but ap- apparently, that didn't have enough votes amongst the Pilishim because it's like, like that that requires. There's a spoils of war. If you give it back, it's a sign of of weakness. Of, of weakness. So they didn't send it back to Israel yet. Okay, but we know that that is one of the ideas that's coming up in their uh, discussions. Okay, so they said, <coughs> "What shall we do to our own?" Tell us how we shall send it to its place. Again, now it says, first question is, "What shall we do with it?" And second one is, "How shall we send it?" It seems, according to the Perush I read, that there are two opinions amongst the elders of the Pilishim. One is trying to still solve the issue without sending it back. And the other group is saying, let's just send it back, but let's just know how to do it properly. If you decide to send the Aaron of the God of Israel, 
Do not send it just alone. You got to send it with gifts. You have to send like a, a korban, like a like a, a an offering to the Jewish God. What, what kind of to offering? the Jewish God, like a guilt offering. No, no, but like not like a Jewish korban. Like, like sending an offering, like here's a statue. Wait, yeah, yeah, you'll see. As then you will become better. You'll be healed. And you will know why uh, his hand is not going away from. Meaning, you will know that it is Hashem behind all. This. You'll know that it is the Jewish God behind all of this. So he said, what is the offering we shall give to the Jewish God? He said, they said and the, the, so the magicians say, there are five leaders of the Pelishtim, so send five uh, golden hemorrhoids, representations of hemorrhoids, I don't know how you, I don't know, and five representations of mice, apparently with the, with the, Affliction of hemorrhoids They also had an infestation of mice So send uh, Five hemorrhoids and five mice For it was One uh, It was one magefa For you and for your leaders Meaning by, by sending one to do atonement For the five leaders It will be atonement for everybody Okay and you will make these representations of these things, these mice and these hemorrhoids that have been destroying the land. You will make them for the God of Israel and you will be honor for, honor for the God of Israel. Maybe he will lessen his hand upon you. And from your God and from your land. And why should you keep your hearts hard? Like the Egyptians hardened their heart. Remember that uh, the way he made a mockery of them and he sent them and they left. It seems like it means he sent Ben Israel and they left. I'm not sure. Okay, so let's pause there. We'll continue. Bezal uh, Hashem from Pasuk Zion tomorrow. Just one question before we leave. What is the purpose of what's going on amongst the Philistines? Why is God doing this? We just to cause a we literally just strife left strife in like a civil war. No, so first of all, elements of the story that are funny, the Sanef Filishtim, the purpose of the text is to show how foolish they are. How what? How foolish they are. Like it's trying to show that they're yeah, it, it's seven it's months they it, it, it's it like out. a three stooges kind of like yeah. uh, thing, you know? It's like look at these people can't get it, can't get anything right. right. You know, everything they try is wrong. Yeah. And then they go and they go to these to these magicians who we know are telling them nonsense. And they're like drinking their words, you know. So that's also we, when we read it, the reader is supposed to see that as foolish. Like, look at these pe- how foolish these people are. Um, now, what's the reason for all this to happen? But they're figuring this out in seven months. The Jews during Shoftim had four hundred plus years of making the same mistake. Oh, I don't think like, the Pelishim are becoming tzaddikim as a result no, no, of this. Not tzaddikim. They're they're understanding. The Jews have been doing bad stuff, bad things have been happening, and then like after this many years, like, oh, there was God, remember? Like, let's, let's be a little bit better. Right. So one of the Pirushim I read, which I think is really nice, is when the Pirushim won in battle, and the Aaron was out and made a huge Chilul Hashem. And they started thinking that they can actually dominate the God of Israel. So God then has to undo the damage of, of the Chilul Hashem, and he has to get them to learn to revere yeah. God again. 
And the proof is that they reference Egypt. When they finally learned their lesson, they reference Egypt, which was the biggest Kiddush Hashem. When we left Egypt, all the nations of the world heard and they realized God's great strength. So now, the reverence that they had lost for the God of Israel, now they've regained in the process of this, all of this suffering. Do you think also this story is some sort of prelude to Israel getting a king? Or it has nothing to do with it? It's coming up, the king story. Yeah, but I'm saying... We'll analyze tomorrow. Let's let them start me now. Baruch Adonai Lulam. Amen. Amen.